0: Hi, I'm Scott Weatherford. I am so glad you've joined us. And as we're concluding the Sermon on the Mount, the Summer with Jesus, and it's been an amazing, rich adventure. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. Preparing for this and writing these talks and leaning into this and then delivering them to you has been such a great, fulfilling joy for me. And I hope it's been a blessing to you. This sermon's a tough one because it really, it what it does is it, it exposes your heart, then examines your life. That's what it does. It basically... Jesus is saying, you can't live without me. You can't. You can have a religion that leads to a nowhere, or you can have a relationship that leads to life and life abundant. So that's what he's saying. So this series is going to end like it began, living in the kingdom of God. We began with being salt and light, and now we're going to say living in the kingdom of God. And the small group experience this week is going to be talking about what foundation will you choose? And I think you'll enjoy that discussion as well, as Jesus was a tecton, a builder, not just a carpenter, but a builder. So let's jump in this. Jesus opened his famous sermon series with the Beatitudes, and he told us that our lives should be shaped by our attitudes, and, that, and then we choose wisely, and we live differently. And he concludes with that rock and sand thing we're going to talk about in our group material. But today we're going to focus on the entrance to the kingdom of God. Throughout the course of human history, people have asked this question, how do you get to heaven? In fact, there's a song that came out a few years ago, How Far Is Heaven? It's probably you're playing that song in your head right now, like I am, How Far Is Heaven? And how do you get there? And what's the process? The world might be, the word heaven might be replaced with paradise or eternal life or nirvana or some other kind of place that the afterlife, or something beyond this earthly life. And what Jesus does in this passage, he gives us a pathway description. And he also gives us a warning, and he gives us a caution, and he concludes it, this famous sermon, with that decision to live all for him. He shows us the gateway to heaven, and it's narrow. However, it's open. It's narrow, but however, it's open. He also says that there's more. There's more. He's saying that living in the kingdom of God begins with this life, not just the next life. Jesus said this. The key the thief, the keith. The thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. And I've come that you might have life and have it abundant. That's John 10:10. 10, 10. You know what? I, I think this. Most people when they think about Jesus, they don't think about abundant life. They think about rule keeping. They think about not smoking, drinking, dancing, chewing. Uh, They think about judgment. They think about uh, kind of this Pollyannish stupid grin on your face that doesn't deal with reality. That's not what following Jesus means. It means a life that's full of peace and joy and comfort and richness, free from um, anger and bitterness and resentment, free from addiction, free from harm, free to live in abundance, freedom. That's what it means, freedom. Wow. Because this is true, living all for Jesus brings abundant life, then Jesus should be our goal for life, walking and living in him. Now, in the past, I've read Matthew 7, and uh, it really had a stumbling block to me. As I read it, I went, ah. And I thought that when he says the narrow gate, I thought that this was a preventative thing, that this portal was designed to keep people out of heaven. And what I realize now that it's in reality is an invitation. Invitation to a narrow portal based on a relationship with him, with Jesus. Not an exclusion, but an invitation. So let's take a deeper look to the pathway to heaven. And heaven begins the moment we say yes to Jesus. Father, thank you for this opportunity to let your word speak to us And I pray, Father, on this day, this time, this place or time and place when we're listening to this, that you'll use these words I speak, that they'll be your words to build the lives of those who listen. And I thank you for what you're going to say and do. And I pray this in your son's strong name. Amen. All right, let's read this passage and we'll jump in. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who go through it. How How near is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life, and few find it. Be on your guard against false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are are ravaging wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruit. Their grapes Are grapes gathered through thorn bushes or figs through thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So you'll recognize them by their fruit. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the ones who does the will of God, uh, do the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name? And I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. You read that passage, you go, my gracious, how in the world do I know that I'm saved? How in the world do I know that I've walked through the narrow gate? Well, let's talk about it, and let's secure with clarity what Jesus is saying. Jesus is, first of all, he's inviting you into a life that's worth living. Jesus invites you into a life that's worth living. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life? And few find it. What he's saying here is this that he is the only choice for life. He said this in John 14 I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. This invitation is literally Jesus holding the gate open for you to walk through. This is the most inviting, inclusive scripture that ever could be given. Jesus says, come to me. Every other religious system says, do these things. Jesus says, come to me. I'm holding the gate open. Oh, well, that starts changing my perspective. That if, if, if there's several pathways to God, that's a lie. There's only one pathway, and that's through Jesus. <clears throat> the people listening that day were trusting in their religious ritual They were trusting in their religious law. They were trusting in their outward appearances, and they were living a lie. They weren't trusting in the one who held the gate open for them. The way to heaven is through faith in God through Jesus Christ, and it's always been so, always. From the foundations of the world to the ending of time, Jesus is the way. He is the narrow gate. In fact, in John, he even gives a clear Definition. But there's a process for walking through the narrow gate. I want you to listen to this. Very systematic, the invitation of Jesus. In this way, it narrows the pathway and, and, and difficulties the life. Because on the way of this pathway, when I walk through the gate, I've got to make some further commitments. Not to get me through the gate, no, but to find the life. Here it is. The first one is to walk through the gate. Come and see. Come and see. Walk through the gate. Come and follow Christ. Come and give your life to him. The second one is come and follow. That means to grow in him, to understand who he He is and what he wants. You see, when we come and see, we come with others and we're connected in the family of God, in in faith that we're called the church. And we come and see, we're connected to God through Jesus Christ and we're connected to others. We come and see. And then we come and follow where we can learn to think like him and hear like him and see like him and 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 do the things that he did because our character is transformed by coming and following Christ. And that's the difficulty of it is having your mind transformed, having your will transformed, allowing this gate that you walk through to be the life that you live out. And then come and serve. You know what? I'm fully not going to have the mind of Christ until I serve God by serving others. I'm not going to grow to maturity until I serve God by serving others. Did you know a Christian without a ministry is miserable? And he makes other people, and she makes other people miserable. So I come and see, and I step through the gate, and I come and follow. I go down the path, and I come and serve. I become what God wants me to be. And then finally, I come and die. I surrender my life to sharing the love of Jesus and living all for him. That's the process of the pathway to life. Come and see, step through the gate. Come and follow, go down the path. Come and serve, serve others in the journey, and come and die living all for Jesus. Hmm. Jesus invites you to walk through the narrow gate to give up your own self-righteousness and your own pathway and choose him. Jesus invites you to follow him. Huh. Broad is the way. Many people choose it. Narrow is the way. If you choose it, and Jesus is offering to you, come through the gate. Then he warns us. Jesus gives us a warning. And what he's saying is, hey, I want to tell you something. In this world, there's going to be people out to deceive you. They're going to try to draw you through a false gate, try to lead you down a bad path. One thing I, I say to all the churches I've a pastor, I said, you know, I, I love you, and I'm going to do the best I can not to lead you down a blind alley. In other words, if I don't see where we're going, we're not going to go. And, and I've tried to lead, lead that way for 40 years. And so far, God, God's been faithful to that. He's helped me. But Jesus is offering this. He's be aware. Listen to this. Be on your guard against false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are raging or ravaging wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but bad trees produce bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit. Neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree will produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. So you'll be recognized, you will recognize them by their fruit. Wow. What does this really mean? This is what it means. I as a person and you as a person, we're going to drift towards distracting the distractions around us instead of the Savior in front of us. That's why I have to be aware of the false prophets, the distractions, the noise around us instead of the Savior in front of us. He's saying be aware. When you choose to follow Jesus, you walk into the narrow gate. Now listen, Jesus closes the gate behind you. Huh. You were secure in your salvation when you say, Jesus, I'm yours. However, you could lose the joy of your salvation by being deceived or distracted by false prophets and by wolves in sheep's clothing. That's why he warns you. How do you spot a wolf? How do you spot a false prophet? Let me give you some things that that may help you. The teaching more about the reward of God than surrender to God. A self-centered gospel is not the real gospel. Teaching more about the reward of the gospel is to the surrender to God. Teachings, there are many pathways to God. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're, you're sincere. Really? Cannibals are sincere and they eat one another. Hello? I'm not going to tell all the cannibal jokes. No repentance of sin or turning away from sin. No godly sorrow. not being. Now, I'm not talking about being perfect, but I'm talking about recognizing and moving away from our sinful behavior. Repentance, say, metanome, changing my mind. I'm no longer going to live like this. No biblical authority. The Bible is not the authority. Culture is the authority. And we see that drift all the time. A distorted view of Jesus. And, man, the, the writers of the Gospels put up with this with the distorted view of Jesus, that his death as a payment for our sins and his resurrection is an evidence of the deity. And here's the last thing, rotten fruit. Rotten fruit. Now, what is rotten fruit? Pride. False prophets are measured by pridefulness. Self-inflated elitism, arrogance, entitlement, Man, now this is a tough passage for me as a pastor. It's this overwhelming sense of inadequacy that comes on my heart. It is humbling. I realize that I must examine my life as a pastor in regarding to what I'm teaching you. This was convicting to me. I don't want to be a false prophet. I want to be a pastor with the heart of God. But I I want to let you know this. It's God's job to deal with wolves, not mine. God's job to deal with wolves not mine. So as a pastor, I don't need to be critical of all these other pastors. I need to let God do that. What I need to do is stay close to Jesus. Now listen to me. As a church person, as a Christian, your job is to stay close to Jesus and let God deal with the wolves. Don't spend your time criticizing others, judging others, unless you want to be a part of the rescue. Huh. Let God deal with wolves. is the gate, Near is the gate, it is entered through relationships, not rule-keeping. Huh. Not everyone says to you, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the ones who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, and didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do miracles in your name? Then I'll announce, I never knew you, depart from me, you lawbreakers. Now this passage is really troubling to me as I read it. And it can create insecurity in me and and in you. Is Jesus saying that I'm going to think I am and I'm not? No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying this. Jesus is saying cultural religion is not enough. Biblical religion means faithing in him and that's enough. He was speaking To a devoted religious crowd that were not entering to the kingdom of heaven, but into the kingdom of rule-keeping and legalism and religion. Attendance at Bible study, even though it's worthwhile. Attending at church gatherings and church services, all is worthwhile. Singing and praying will never be enough. You must be bored again by trusting in Jesus. He is the narrow gate. He is the narrow gate. What I've discovered about cultural Christianity in my 40 years as a pastor is this, that people who are driven by their preferences are not driven by their Savior. They want what they want when they want it. They want a style they want when they want it, and they're not driven by their Savior. A person that's driven by a Savior is willing to lay down their rights and privileges for the good of others. Huh. Many saints of old have gone to great lengths to secure the understanding of commitments by writing out personal contracts with Jesus, to writing out the point um, of signing them, that I am going to follow Jesus. I personally remind myself of my commitment in my personal prayer journals I use all the time. Why? Because I need to remember I've walked through the narrow gate don't you need to remember your attendance is not going to cut it your singing is not going to cut it what's going to cut it is your relationship with jesus that you personally said i am yours you can miss heaven with false security you can miss it your good deeds are not enough to make you right with god did we prophesy in your name did we cast out demons in your name did we do good in your name yeah those are all good deeds but that's not what's going to cut it You know, even church membership will not make you right with God. What makes you right with God is faith in Christ and Christ alone. When you're right with God, then you live all for Jesus. Uh, There may be a season of backsliding and temptation where you kind of slide out, but I want to tell you something, the gate is closed behind you. And Jesus closes that gate once you step into that. He holds you in security when you believe. Now, a Christian who falls into sin will either return to Jesus in repentance or or of repentance and coming back, restoration. Or God will call them home through death. But he holds you secure. He holds you secure. Enter the narrow gate with security with Christ. Now, the phrase, depart from me, I never knew you, is frightening. What Jesus is saying, that some have trusted the wrong things, but not in the right person, and that's the person of Jesus. Now, I'm speaking to you today... With a broken heart, and knowing some of you, and I don't know who, have trusted in everything wrong, and you're not following Christ. Hmm. You're believing the wrong thing, and you haven't believed in Jesus. You're trusting in your Baptist heritage, your Presbyterian, or Methodist, or your Catholicism, and you're not trusting in Jesus. Isn't it today your day to be saved? There's a story I want to tell real quickly. There was a wolf who decided he wanted to uh, have a a sheep for dinner. So he put on a sheepskin and he hid himself in the flock. And while there he thinking, thinking when all the sheep go to sleep, then I will rise up and I will have a mutton meal. Well, the shepherd decided he wanted to have lamb chops that night. So he got up and went through the flock And he found the biggest, fattest sheep for his dinner, who happened to be the wolf. Don't be a wolf in sheep's clothing. False prophets, let God deal with them. You, come to Jesus, walk through the narrow gate. How can you tell? Rotten fruit, pride, arrogance, elitism, habitual sin, unwillingness to repent. A decision, never making a decision to follow Christ? Man, I I read one commentary, and it just left me depressed because after reading it, I thought, "Ain't nobody could be saved because of what this guy says because he based everything based on works. But everything is based on obedience to Christ. You see, Jesus changes us. We cannot change ourselves. And changed people live changed lives all for Jesus. So let me ask you this question. Which gate have you chosen? The narrow gate of trust in Christ? The broad gate of religion? The broad gate of selfishness entitlement? Is there a wolf that needs to go? Let God deal with him. But you, come to Jesus. Walk through the gate and live. Father, thank you for what you've said to us this morning. And I pray that uh, well, whenever we're listening to this, and I pray that you will just move in our hearts to make the commitments and decisions we need to make. Some listening may need to come and see and give their lives to you, walk through the gate. Some need to go further with you and follow you and let their character be conformed to your image. Some need to serve you by serving others. Some need to surrender to you areas of their life that have never been surrendered and willing to willing to share the love of God in word and deed. Help us to make those steps, Father. For those of you who need to step into the kingdom of God, walking through the narrow gate, I want to invite you right now to give your life to Jesus. Simply pray with me, Jesus, I'm yours. I repent of my sins. Come into my heart and be my Savior, and I'm going to live for you. Step through that gate today, and then live all for Jesus. Some of you need to come back to Jesus. Man, the gate's closed behind you, but boy, you sure are pushing on it. What do you need to do? What do you need to adjust? What needs to happen? And some of you need to go further with Jesus. Just go on and live all for him. And Father, as I examine my life, I want to be a pastor that's not a wolf, but a gentle shepherd as you are the head shepherd, leading these people, your people, to thrive in you. Thank you for this summer with you and the Sermon on the Mount. You've been so good to us. And we pray this in your name. Amen. I don't know what you need to do, but you do. If you've trusted Christ today, let us know by raising your hand and say, hey, I've given my life to Jesus. Or step into a prayer room and let us pray with you. Or maybe you need to come back and you just need encouragement. Man, go ahead and sign up for one of those groups that we're starting in the next week about uh, our online campus and our online groups. Get the full benefits of everything we're providing in the God time, the group time, and our online gatherings. Make this your church home. Step into membership. Step into maturity. Step into ministry. Step into life mission. Do what God wants you to do as we connect, grow, serve, and share all for Jesus, a life that's built by God.